surrendering ourselves to his plan and purpose for our life. And, and so our worship team are, is helping us begin to prepare our hearts for that. And tonight I'm going to share a little short, kind of the format this month. Uh, we're going to worship, uh, share a short word, and then we're going to open up the altar and apply what we hear. How many of you know we don't want to just have head knowledge? We want to get it down in here, right? How many of you know God wants to change us from the inside? Amen. So uh, as we prepare our hearts and as I share the word with you briefly tonight, let's just pause and, and just ask God to speak to us tonight from his word. Father, let your word make a difference in our life. And as we open up our hearts to surrender all we have to you, Lord, we thank you tonight that it will bring forth much fruit. And everybody said, amen. amen. It's a season of surrender. Our scripture that we shared last Wednesday, when our really a great Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, man, is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I want you to turn there. I want to just simply read it again to kind of prepare your heart. Uh, the writer, pardon me, Paul said this. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice. You see, even though there are martyrs today, Jesus paid the price so we could live for him. Amen. And so he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of real worship. In other words, worship is more than a song service. It's a way of life, how we surrender our life and we surrender our, who we are to him. And he goes on to say, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Somebody say, by the renewing of your mind. You see, we need to have a whole new way of thinking about who we are. You know, Paul the apostle, when you study his life, you know, he was an apostle, but the longer he lived and the more he wrote, uh, he would, you know, he would say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And, and then the longer, he, then you'd see him, Paul, a bond slave of God. He, he was an apostle, but he, he had progressive revelation about who he really was. He was a bond slave. He had to, he surrendered his life to the governance and guidance of God. And he tells us to do the same. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect or complete what? What's the last three words? Somebody say will of God. Tell somebody we're talking about the will of God. Tell somebody. We're talking about the will of God. God has a will and a plan for our lives. And we're going to come back to that thought in just a moment. And so with that in mind, I want, to, I want to pause the thought of a season of surrender and kind of just talk to you a little bit. Uh, we're going to come right back to that. In fact, you can turn to two passages of Scripture. Turn to Acts 2 and Matthew 26. Acts 2, Matthew 26. I want to talk to you for just a moment about the power uh, of the corporate gathering, which doesn't have a lot. It really does have to do with surrender, uh, but our, 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 our month this month... We're not having our classes. We're calling it the corporate gathering. 
coming together, being together, not just to, to hear the Bible, but to apply the Bible, not just to sing about God, but to worship God and, and to fellowship and to interact with one another. That's why, you know, it's not our goal to give you pizza tonight. It's not about pizza. What's it about? It's about fellowship. And so with that in mind, in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit has fallen. I want you to turn there. And, and this is a little pause in the thought of, uh, of sacrifice, but I want to show you the power of the corporate gathering just to kind of wet your whistle to, get, to really get a, a mindset about what the church is all about. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. The, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. They've been praying in tongues, uh, the flame of fire setting on their head. Peter gets up and preaches and a miracle happens. Thousands of people receive receive the word of God and the church is born. Someone say the church is born. What an exciting day. Pentecost is a birthday for the church. And let's look in verse 40 and it says this, and with many other words, he being Peter testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. How many of you believe we live in a perverse generation? He said, we've got to be saved from it. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. There's a powerful uh, little uh, uh, quadrangle of influence right there. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and prayers. And look what happened because of that, verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. You see, the supernatural power of God was released through the leadership. And it goes on to say, now all who believed were, were together and had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And everybody said... Amen. I love that story. I love the birth of the church. It excites me. It thrills me. And how many of you know we are the church? Amen. So quickly tonight, this is going to take just a couple of minutes. I'm going to give you six things about the power of the corporate gathering that I see in this passage that you and I need to embrace in our life and really uh, incorporate into our life about the importance and the priority and the power of the corporate gathering, the local church coming together. Number one, what do we see about these folks? They received gladly. Everybody say received gladly. They got a hold of the word of God. They put themselves in a place by the power of the Holy Spirit to open their hearts to the word of God and let the word of God make a big difference in their life. Wouldn't that be something if all of us came to the place where we realized, oh man, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to, uh, to, to plug into the local church on Wednesday night and Sunday morning because the word of God is going to come forth. I open my heart to receive gladly what God has for me. Amen. How many of you know his word will make a big difference in our life? So they received gladly. And number two, they continued steadfastly. This is a powerful statement. What did they continue steadfastly in? Well, I mentioned it, verse 42. In the apostles' doctrine, that's teaching. They were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in, the, in fellowship. That's what tonight's all about. And breaking of bread and prayer. 
Tonight, in just a little bit, we're going to have prayer. After that, we're going to have some breaking of pizza bread. Amen. We're going to, and hey, we're breaking bread. We're praying. We're, we're uh, uh, listening to the, 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 the teaching of the word of God. We're going to fellowship together. We're going to do what the Bible says the church continued steadfastly in. Amen. Everyone say received gladly. Everyone say continued steadfastly. And number three, they connected wholeheartedly. They weren't half-baked with their connection and commitment to the local church. It says in verse, oh, look in verse 44. It says, now all who believed were together and had all things common. Everyone say together. They connected with one another wholeheartedly. They weren't half connected. They weren't half committed. They were wholeheartedly connected. In fact, we'll see in the next one that they were, I hate to use a poker term, but it's so common on TV today. They were all in. Okay, when it came to their, to their investment in the, into the local church and they connected with one another wholeheartedly. Everyone say received gladly. Everyone say connected steadfastly. Everyone say connect, uh, oh, pardon me, continued steadfastly. Did I say connected? Everyone say received gladly, continued steadfastly, connected wholeheartedly. And number four, they gave sacrificially. They were invested not only with their time, energy, and effort, but with the resources of their life. And, and they, it, because of the, the necessary context of how the church was born, people from many different towns and cities and lands had come together. And the Holy Spirit did a great work and the church was born. People didn't want to leave. And so, hey, we have to do something creative. We have to sacrifice for the sake of the church. And they all put their stuff together and they sold them and divided them among, uh, uh, among one another. As anyone had need, they, were, they gave sacrificially. How many of you know the ministry of the local church is not about what I get, but what I give? In fact, though you may not remember this quote, uh, uh, John Kennedy said, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. What can I do for my country? And these folks gave sacrificially. Everyone say, received gladly, continued steadfastly, connected wholeheartedly. They gave sacrificially. And number five, they continued daily. Their influence and involvement in the local church was not a biweekly or a monthly endeavor. It was a daily lifestyle. And look what it says in verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They continued daily. Let me tell you something. The Christian life and the ministry of the local church is a daily lifestyle. Amen. Do I need to repeat all these? You got them? Let's look at number six and then we'll repeat them. And number six, because of what they did, the church multiplied exponentially. Look what happened. It says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You say, well, I thought you said he multiplied. Well, uh, Acts 6, 7 and Acts 9, 31 use that exact word. Uh, as the Lord was adding, guess what? It began to multiply. The church multiplied. Everyone say the church multiplied. Most churches are dividing and subtracting. We need to get into addition and multiplication. Amen. And hey, that's the power of the corporate gathering. 
That's the power of people who receive gladly, continue steadfastly, connect wholeheartedly, give sacrificially, continue daily. What does God do? He empowers us to multiply exponentially. Amen. So that's the power of the corporate gathering. Let me tell you something. It's probably a secret nobody else knows about. Just the select of the elect tonight. But we're letting the cat out of the bag tonight. Hey, let's, let's embrace the corporate gathering. Amen. I know you are. I know I'm preaching to the choir. And everybody said, amen. Now, that was my little pause about corporate gathering. I wanted to share that with you. Now, go to Matthew 26. Because we're talking about sacrifice and surrender. Jesus is the model that we follow. And how many of you know he laid his life on the altar of sacrifice, right? Everyone say the altar. Oh, man, if you Googled or if you've got a Bible software and you Google or search altar, there's a lot of references from the Old Testament through the New Testament about the altar. And basically the altar, if you want to to melt it down to one thing, it's a place of sacrifice. And as we read in Romans chapter 12, that we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice on the altar of God. And I want to talk about surrender tonight. And I want to give you out of Matthew 26 in the life of Jesus, just in pretty quickly, just like I did in reference to uh, the corporate gathering. I'm going to give you seven insights of surrender from Matthew 26. Uh, but let's read, let's begin in verse 26. Matthew 26, verse 26 says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. What was he, te- what was he giving them a picture of? The coming sacrifice, right? Because his bread represents his body and the, and the, and the wine represents his blood. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Somebody say amen. amen. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine, nor uh, from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out of the Mount of Olives. Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you into Galilee. Now, he's just outlining it as clear as a bell. And let me pause and give a little commentary. The disciples did not get it. I mean, it's clear as a bell what he's saying. But they didn't get it. They thought that he was going to be, they were going to build a kingdom on earth. Okay. Uh, So here he is laying it out just as clear as a bell, the sacrifice. Okay. But after I've been raised, verse 32, I will go before you in Galilee. But Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. You ever heard the phrase, never say never? And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, by the way, this is the same Peter who preached Pentecost that we just read about a few moments ago about the power of the corporate gathering. How many of you know God's a God of redemption? Amen. (laughs) Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So he said, and so said all the disciples. In other words, they all said, we are ready to sacrifice. 
How many of you know it wasn't true? Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and he prayed, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Powerful phrase. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now catch verse 42. Again, a second time he went away and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time. And prayed the third time, saying the same words. Did you get it? Three times. If it's possible, I'd like this cup to pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. What a story. I want to give you seven simple insights about surrender that I see in the life of Christ here that you and I need to understand because, you know, we're here, we're, we're, we're endeavoring to surrender our lives to His will. And what I want to talk to you tonight about is surrendering our wills to the will of God. Surrendering our will to the will of God. How many of you know we all have a will? We have the power to choose, right? Right? We chose to be here today. No one made you come. You chose to come because you have a will. And we choose to give our lives to Him. Why? Because we have a will. Here, let me give them to you. What I see in this passage of Scripture, seven insights of surrender that we can embrace in our life. Number one, surrendering to the will of God is always a painful pathway. Look what it says in verse 37 and 38. And he took with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Jesus was experiencing the pain of the pathway of surrender. And the scripture said he sweat, as it were, even great drops of blood. Can I tell you, Jesus did that in our behalf. But hey, hey, on some level, you and I need to understand that if we're going to surrender our will to the will of God, it will be a bit of a painful process. Someone said no pain, no gain. And I want to tell you, Calvary had pain and the, the hours leading up to Calvary had pain. And, and, and if you and I are going to be people of surrender and we offer ourselves, thank the Lord, as a living sacrifice, it does not mean there's not going to be some pain. And we need to embrace the process and the pain of life to bring us to a place of saying, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. You know, sometimes just giving up is painful, Right. 
Or I say, I give up, Lord. I'm letting go, Lord. So there's, pa- there's pain in the process. Surrendering to the will of God always, is always a painful pathway. Number two, surrendering to the will of God is always a process. You know, when you give your life to Christ, how many of you remember when you got saved? You gave yourself over to Jesus and you said, Lord, be the Lord of my life. And he just fell in, he was already in love with you, but you fell in love with him and he forgave you and cleansed you and made you every bit whole. How many of you remember that day when you realized I am born again on my way to heaven? I've been cleansed and set free. I'm a child of God. How many remember that? Amen. Did that just do, do something good for you on the inside? You know what? And we think, oh, my Lord, have mercy. I've surrendered my life to the Lordship of Christ. And then all of a sudden we realize that we've got to walk out that commitment on a daily basis. And the very fact, I think, that Jesus prayed this prayer three times reveals that it's a process. And if Jesus had to pray it three times, I think I need to pray it three times a day. (laughs) Or more, morning, noon, and night. Nevertheless, not what I want, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? It's interesting in Matthew chapter 6 when the disciples, he was teaching the disciples how to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first real thing after entering his presence, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? It's a process. Everyone say, it's a process. Surrendering our will to the will of God is always a process. Number three, surrendering to the will of God is sometimes a solitary process. He brought his closest associates to be just a stone's throw away while he knew he had to go and surrender his will. But he's looking for some support. Because though he was all God, he was all man. Are you with me? And he suffered the pain. And he had to go through the process. And he was looking for his close friends to tarry with him and pray there with him and to undergird him while he, while he went through the process of surrendering uh, and, and ensuring that he was surrendered to the will of God. Because he actually says, if it's possible... Let this cup pass from me. Jesus in his natural body, though he knew he was at the, at the apex of his, his purpose on planet earth, in his natural body did not want to go through with it. And he had to surrender his will to the will of God. And sometimes you need to understand it's a solitary process. Not everybody is going to make the journey with you. I've had people tell me, well, pastor, when my husband or when my wife or when my kid, you know, and they start, well, then I'm, wait a minute. Sometimes it's a solitary process and you may feel all alone. Jesus felt all alone, but he pressed through the process. And yielded himself to the will of God. Hey, and let me just say, 
Sometimes it's a solitary process and sometimes it's not a very popular process. There's a lot of people when, when things are good. Oh man, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're all giving our lives to Christ. And then when it comes to real surrender, the wagon gets kind of thin. So we need to embrace these truths about surrender. Sometimes it's a pain. Hey, it's always a painful path. It's always a process. Sometimes it's a solitary process that you have to just walk all alone. And Jesus really knew that, that, hey, nobody can make this surrender for you, right? We can stand behind our brothers and sisters and support our brothers and sisters. But, hey, it's me and Jesus who have to come to a place where we realize, hey, I'm surrendering my life to the will of God. My will, hey, out the window, it's your will. Amen. Surrendering to the will of God is sometimes a solitary process. The disciples lay sleeping. He came back three times. They were asleep every time, two times, and they were asleep every time. Jesus was all alone. Number four, the fourth thought about inside of surrender, surrendering to the will of God is sometimes misunderstood by friends and family. Some people just won't understand. Verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. They didn't understand. They didn't get it. And sometimes our neighbors and friends and family won't get it. Doesn't mean we don't do it. We've got to surrender. Number five, surrendering to the will of God is always a battle. Look what Jesus said in verse 41. He said this, watch and pray. He told his disciples after he found them, couldn't you tarry with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He was going through that process. His spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. And he was trying to tell his disciples, listen carefully here. If if you're going to walk down this road of sacrifice with me, you need to understand it's always a battle. How many of you know our will will raise its ugly head at any given moment, at any given hour, at any given time, and we want what we want when we want it? You know, as I interact with my grandkids, and especially Ty, as he's three and a half now, his will begins to be made known in, in a pretty, uh, uh, pretty direct way. And it's, it's a challenge. And all of a sudden I realize, and, and, and I, I think I joked about this a couple of Sundays ago, uh, he, he was trying to tell me what to do. I said... You're not the boss of me. I'm the boss. I said, and I'm in charge. And he looked at me and said, when I get bigger, I'm going to be in charge. <laughs> at least he knew. He said, he said, I'm in charge. No, you're not in charge. He said, when I get bigger, I'll be in charge. It's his will. He's trying to inflict his will upon the will of, of, of his papa or his papa. Hey, it's a battle. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. we got to watch and pray. That's what we're going to do here tonight a little bit. We're going to pray, and we're going to say, God, we just yield our will to the will of God. Amen? It's always a battle. Number six, surrendering to the will of God always requires sacrifice. 
It's a giving up. It's kind of a, it's, it's, hey, it's always a sacrifice. And we look at the sacrifice of Christ. There's a giving up of something. There's a releasing of something. And, 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 and that's what we see in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Hey, uh, you've got to uh, yield yourselves, your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service of worship. And then he goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable, what? Will of God. Everyone say there's always a sacrifice. If you're going to yield your, your will to the will of God, there's always a sacrifice. Something we give up. Somehow we tend to think if we say, Lord, I surrender to you, he gives us everything we want. <laughs> Not true. Number seven. And we're going to pray. Surrendering to the will of God is always worth it. The price you pay, it's always worth it. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the surrender of Christ. He says, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and a sin. There's some surrender, right? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we do it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Did you see that? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What's the writer of Hebrews saying here? Hey, there's always, there is a sacrifice. We've got to lay it down. There is a price to pay. There is a race to run, and it's not our race, but his race that he set before us. How do we do it? Following him, and how did he go? He endured because, look what he said, he, he, he had the joy that was set before him. In other words, he knew the end result. That the pathway of redemption was being established for all humanity. And let me just say this as we close tonight in, a, in the time of study. Hey, your surrender and submission and yielding yourself to the will of God will produce fruit, not only in your life, but those who your life touches. How many of you know I'm telling you the truth? To the degree that we yield our will to the will of God will be to the degree that others that we influence are influenced to do the same. And as I said just a few moments ago, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said, pray this way. For thy kingdom come. That's God's governance. Thy will be done. It's his will. It's always a little pain involved. It certainly is a process. About the time I think I've got it licked, I realize there's some more of me I got to crucify. 
Paul said it this way, I must decrease so he can increase. And sometimes it's a solitary thing. Sometimes you're misunderstood by those you, who, lo- who you think love you the most. It's always going to be a battle. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. It's always a sacrifice. But I promise you something, it's always worth it. Amen. Just a moment, we're just going to invite you to come to the altar. You don't have to come to the altar. But remember, we're turning this, these wooden steps into a place of surrender and sacrifice. Your chair can be that altar. The car seat when you're driving to work can be your altar. There's, there's no magic spot as long as you're in His presence and yielding yourself to the will of God. Jesus had a place where He would go to there in that garden where He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. The place of surrender. That's where God is looking to bring us all to the garden, to the place of our surrender. You know, I've been to Israel a few times and I've gone to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in that general area, it's pretty much common knowledge that's the place where Jesus surrendered His will to the will of the Father. You don't have to go there to do it. You can stay right where you are. You can come to this altar. But it's a process. Let's do that tonight.